0: everybody and welcome in to the penny bloom podcast it is i colton robertson and you are back for our journey through comic book film this week marks a very special one to me batman mask of the phantasm and i'm excited to be joined by joseph george what's up homie oh what up what up always
1: a pleasure to be here
0: oh and it is always a pleasure to have you i'm also joined by the magnificent tavaris pennington what's up homie
2: doing all right doing all right another doubleheader today
0: Another double header, triple header for me and Joe. Well, yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. We, we went hard today, but uh, and we are also joined by another guest for this project. Very happy to have him here, a new friend of the pod, Matt from Yubcast. How you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. I was uh, very excited to get you get your message on Twitter whenever I put out the open call for this. Uh obviously the Yubcast tell tell us a little bit about your 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 podcast and what drew you to Mask of the Phantasm as the the movie of choice.
3: Sure. So Yubcast is um well as we say at the beginning of every episode we are your Star Wars cartoon podcast and so we're just a couple of aged guys who are going back through and watching all of the animated Lucasfilm um episodes going back to the 80s or in Going back to the '70s, actually, and uh, giving them sort of a satirical view. Um, it is a not G-rated show, but we we w- we went back through and watched all of droids and Ewoks, and which were the 1985, 1986 um, cartoons. We watched the cartoon short from the um, holiday special from the '70s, and. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're going through all of the more recent animation things. So when you put the call out, and I saw that Batman... I think we can probably talk about this when we're doing the review stuff, but um, Batman animated series is a Warner Brothers property, obviously, and this is a movie that is in the continuity of that cartoon um, show that ran from 92 to 95. Um, the writer, the, he- the lead writer of that show in this movie was Paul uh, Paul Dini. And Paul Dini was the writer on Droids and Ewoks with Novana. Mm-hmm. And so he sort of wasn't – Droids and Ewoks weren't his first um, work, but it was early work for him. And I like to believe that without his work with Lucasfilm, he wouldn't have been picked up by Warner Brothers, and Batman yeah. might not have happened.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Wow, I, did, I didn't know that I uh, when you alluded to a uh... – star wars animation crossover or star wars crossover with this obviously my mind went to mark hamill voicing, right. voicing the, the joker, joker. uh right. yeah v- pretty pretty classic there i didn't know that about paul dini that's pretty awesome i'm always uh i'm always fascinated by the little little bits of trivia that our guests have brought on so far they're usually bringing more than more than we do to the podcast trivia wise so i'm already i'm already digging that but uh i'm glad to hear it uh over we're talking batman mask of phantasm today let me uh Lay the groundwork for the folks so everybody can uh, get get nice and acquainted. We got this movie released on Christmas of 1993. It was uh, directed by Bruce Timm with several different sequence directors and Kevin Altieri, Boyd Kirkland, Frank Parr, and Dan Reba. And it was written by Paul Dini along with Martin Pasco, Michael Reeves, and Alan Burnett. With uh, cre- characters created by Bob Kane. Uh, so, like we usually do, we'll start with our guest, Matt. How are you feeling about this movie overall?
3: I don't know what your guys' ages are, but um, I'm in my early 40s. And when this was when this was coming out in real time in the 90s, I was a, like a preteen teenager, mm-hmm. and my brother and I. Um, loved this t- TV show, and um, when I had kids, he sent my son, and he made it very clear when he did this. This is my younger brother. He sent my son, made it very clear it was a loan, not a gift, the box <laughs> set to this um, oh. TV show, <laughs> so <laughs> so my kids could watch it. Um, so I this this is um toxic nostalgia television for me, you know? Mm. Um, it's hard for me to not love something like this. Although that being said, watching it a couple times this week I had a I had multiple laugh out loud loud moments like really this is this is a kid show? Like like what are you oh, doing? Yeah. This, uh,
0: <laughs> this has this has aged in an interesting way where like some of the story elements in this movie I'm like Cause I'm I'm 22, so I'm a, I'm a I'm a younger younger lad, and I did grow up on the Batman animated series and Justice League cartoons and Justice League Unlimited, and so Kevin Conroy has been my Batman my entire life, and this was a movie I was acquainted with at a very 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 young age, but I'm watching it now like ain't no way I got some <laughs> of the story elements in this movie like. I'm I'm watching it now. Like some of this shit's kind of hard to follow, and I'm I'm fucking 22. You know, like ain't ain't no way when I was five was I actually was like
1: something is oh, expected of kids? Different back then, like, or do they just expect kids to be dumber nowadays? Where they just you know don't just dumb it down? Like I don't know. Or like was it? Because man, this is not really a a kids. But that's the thing though is that like I remember watching these movies and cartoons as a kid, like growing up. And I guess I was just more looking for the visuals and be like, "Oh, that's Batman on screen." Batman. And, "Oh, that's, that's Joker Superman. on screen." Yeah. I don't really care what's happening. I'm like, "Oh, look, he's throwing a punch. He's hitting a bad guy." That's a, that's all my brain's doing, I guess, when I'm like 7.
2: So, um, no, I mean I, my thing is initially that perhaps in the old in the older days, they they when you're creating a a cartoon, you want to make it something that everyone in the household can watch because it's not common that you have televisions in every room so if someone's watching something everybody's watching it and they got to have you know the high level that can keep the adults entertained while also keeping the children entertained and if this is true then they did it superbly because as we've grown into adulthood i think a, a new layers of this of this uh, of the show and particularly in the movie the storyline come to fruition
3: i do think there's something to that commentary because we would watch this together because right, it's ninety three, right? You had maybe two televisions and no tab no, there's no such thing as a tablet, right? You might record it and watch it later, but but even that, like, you would sit around and watch it, and if you watch old, old cartoons like the Flintstones or something, there are jokes in there about like Red Flintstone being impotent. And they're <laughs> they're buried and subtle, but they're not there for like the six year old watching.
0: Right, it's there because
3: the parent is sitting there, and they want the parent to laugh too.
0: Right. (laughs) Yeah, we've gotten that with uh, even even the cartoons of of my younger days, like SpongeBob. You know, there's there's every once in a while you'll you'll catch a SpongeBob episode, and you'll be like, "Oh, wow! can't believe (laughs) I didn't catch that as a youngin." But you're a youngin; you don't Uh, think anything of it. You know, uh
2: let me watch SpongeBob. I assume for those reasons. (laughs) Yeah, yeah,
0: probably, but. uh no nah, man this is a uh, this one's a uh, this one's really important to me especially the timing of this recording obviously this uh this episode won't be out till March 10th 2023 we're recording so so far in advance um but we're we're recording here on November 14th and 3 days ago uh our beloved Kevin Conroy passed away and it was uh man that one that one hit me i was uh i was uh, deep, deeply saddened by by that by that news. It's because uh, my entire life, I fell in love with Batman at such a young age. Like the first, the first, I know I love Star Wars, and that seems to be what I'm about most of the time now. The hmm. first thing I fell in love with was Batman, and it was the Batman animated series. And the version of Batman I fell in love with was voiced by Kevin Conroy, and he. Uh, Man, that shit that that hurt, dude. I was, uh, I was uh, that that shit hurt me bad. I uh, we we obviously do a little bit of a uh, something here where I send out comics for us to read, if uh, optional, but uh, they will be touched on briefly. Uh, and the the influences that I chose for this for this movie were Detective Comics five seventy five through five seventy eight, the Batman Year Two storyline, with the Reaper heavily involved, and because Kevin Conroy. Uh, sad sadly passed a couple days ago. I also included Finding Batman, his mm-hmm. anthology story from the DC Pride uh book. And I just finished reading that like literally 30
1: minutes ago. And who oh, I had to tear time. up a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I read through it and I was like, oh my God, I had, for one, no idea of the life of Kevin Conroy at mm-hmm. all. Um all, like he was the first voice of Batman that I ever heard. For one, like it, it was through these cartoons. I don't know which cartoon or which movie it was. Was one of them, and it was his voice. And mm-hmm. I played the heck out of the Arkham games, and it's his voice through all of them. And it's like that is the voice that was ingrained into my brain as Batman. And then, like reading that, like because that was written by him, which like d- it seems like he he kind of wrote it as if he knew, like like this was happening
0: no Um, yeah it's uh, it's, i don't know
1: but like it was oh my gosh yeah it it got me to tear up a little bit reading through it
0: no yeah it's uh that that was uh it was really moving the life of kevin conroy is one that. uh whoo it it was it was a devastating read through there but uh it it just the way that he related to the character so thoroughly and uh the, the way he can put on that Bruce Wayne Batman voice man it was uh, it's incredible and I think that this is some of his best work Batman Mask of the Phantasm you know I think uh, especially towards the end there when he's having that face off with Andrea Beaumont at the end man whenever whenever she's like uh, he's like Andrea please leave please and he has like that little break in his voice I'm like oh man shit god oh no <laughs> That hurt me. Uh this this movie this movie's really, really good and it is a little bit it is a little bit advanced in its themes, more so than I would have uh more so than I would have caught on to when I was a youngin'. But uh man and uh because I did watch so much of Batman animated stuff, sometimes it was hard uh to separate certain stuff from other things, like what was what? Mask of the Phantasm, uh fucking uh, like the Mr. Freeze uh Sub-Zero movie and stuff and a lot of the Batman animated series episodes sometimes they all melded together over the years but uh I I went back and watched Mask of the Phantasm just a uh, a few years ago I think it was 2 or 3 years ago for the first time in a while and I was floored like I remember watching it and going, "Oh my goodness, this is genuinely one of the better Batman movies." <laughs> Um, it's it's one of the best Batman movies, and I would argue it puts forth the most well done romance for Batman on screen. Um,
1: mm. What far a, better, far the better most than Batman romance that you can get to. This is exactly how romance just goes for Batman. Um, man, turns out just, to be a masked vigilante who's murdering yeah.
0: motherfuckers.
1: Oh, just gets left like three times too. Left initially get like proposes leaves without warning. No, wasn't her fault necessarily, but I mean you know, you know whatever. Comes back and is like you know maybe we'll make things work. Never mind. I'm the masked vigilante that you're actually looking for, and I'm actually not going to stop until I kill all of these people. Now that you know too, I it was yeah, it was nuts.
3: And her- Interviews with Paul about the writing style of this or like the, the character motivation behind it, he he said specifically, because the, the movie's jumping back and forth in time a lot, um, every time you go to a flashback about their relationship, you're supposed to assume that it's going to work out, but every single flashback is worse than the previous one, mm. and the consequence to, the, to their relationship is worse until the, until the one where she flees for her life. Um, to run from the mob and leaves him behind entirely um, mm. only to re- reemerge as the vigilante that he has to fight
0: no so, yeah, yeah. It, and, it, and it comes through very clearly like at the beginning I'm like because something I'm not obviously I've grown up with Batman one thing I know about him is that relationships typically don't work <laughs> This 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 gets you going in a direction where you're like oh shit this might work out for the lad. This might, this might go well. And uh, the fact that it is the spot where he proposed that he ultimate, that the Batman, uh, you know, uh, imagery comes to him. I think that's a, that's a re- that was a really, really cool. Cause it's so intrinsically tied. They're not, no matter how hard he tries to separate his life from the life he lives as a, a masked vigilante. They're always going to intersect, and uh, mm-hmm. there's only there's only, he
1: can't do shit about it unless he puts one aside man i I felt or I feel bad for the criminals that night of uh him <laughs> getting the note you know that he had to have not been pulling the punches uh, a little he had to been I mean, putting a little extra umph behind no. those that night, but uh man no it, it was really cool to see the the back and forth and like the the slow creation of the suit and then like you get the the payoff of like seeing Alfred look at it for the first time he's like oh oh my god you turned around and i didn't i didn't expect you know or i don't know it was really funny but another nah, man, another I constant don't... in the batman movies just Alfred um,
0: uh Alfred another another yeah. real ass motherfucker in this movie man Alfred is always a good always a good dude and always trying to get Bruce laid it's kind of hilarious
1: <laughs> <laughs> always walks in at the perfect time too and then just does his little oh oh, oh. yeah you couldn't ask... Oh back in the kitchen or whatever
0: <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better wingman except for in Batman 89 whenever he's like I might go ahead and bring this woman into the bat cave for no apparent reason <laughs> 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 kind of crazy kind of out of pocket but uh
2: in in general though i think that Batman masculine Phantasm uh has such a, a good opportunity at being regarded as the, as the classic that it is because it really helps form the um archetypal like understanding of Batman like it's able to work within um the what it is now the stereotypical portrayal of the character um mm-hmm. because Batman Mask of the Phantasm and the Batman the Animated Seas are doing such a good job at, at establishing and introducing the character that now everyone's trying to essentially scrounge scrounge for a origin story as good if not better
0: no this is this is 100% the best understanding of the character any movie or show has had I think the Batman animated series and Batman Mask of the Phantasm and basically this this version of Batman as as voiced by Kevin Conroy I don't know he's he's voiced plenty of versions of the character but uh it's it uh, this also benefits from the fact that you know the animated series doesn't attempt to retell any sort of origin. This is his origin. It is. It is like canon to that story. So it's not only just a. It's not only just a great standalone movie. It's a fantastic tie-in to a one of the greatest comic book comic book shows of all time. And uh, I I I just absolutely love watching it for that reason.
2: Yeah.
3: Can we can we back up to what Ray Drew was talking about with the flashback real quick yeah. about Alfred seeing the costume for the first time?
2: Mm, absolutely.
3: Um, there's a. There was a a thought for a while that's also been written about for an episode of the animated series called Vigil, which would have been a sequel to the flashback portions of this movie um, produced in the cartoon series. And that's where Alfred tries to push back against Bruce actually becoming Batman. Mm. And um, you can find the script for it online. Um, if you, if you poke around, the in Vigil, um, Alfred threatens to leave Bruce if he becomes Batman and then ends up having to save Batman on a, okay. on an early, early skirmish with some gang members. Damn. Um, and he prevents Bruce from killing one of them and sort of establishing the ethics of a Batman mm-hmm. character in this continuity. Um, so I recommend if you're if you're a big Batman fan, go find the script for Vigil and read it.
0: Oh, I'll have to. That sounds that sounds fucking good, especially like the story elements you're, you're laying out there for me. You kind of get some uh, you kind of get some notes of it here in the uh, in like the last scene between Alfred and Bruce, which is personally my favorite scene of the movie. We like to look for uh, like to look for favorites, favorite character, performance, scenes, uh, lines, shots. That scene between Alfred and, uh, Alfred and Bruce at the end is probably my favorite. That part where he's like, uh, vengeance is all consuming and I was, so, I was worried that it would one day consume you. Uh, it blackens the soul. I always feared that you would become that which you fought against. You walk the edge of that abyss every night, but you haven't fallen in. And I thank heaven for that. Like, uh, that's just such a classic Alfred sentiment. It beca- like, it's such a defining element to how we perceive these characters and, and like this is how i want these characters to interact and obviously i know there will be conflict and 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 stories between them but i want alfred to have an understanding of bruce and a concern for bruce and his well-being in a way that he he ultimately trusts him but he's worried about him like like a father you know like he's like i i view you as someone i need to protect even though you protect everyone you know like that's that's your goal but I, I have to protect you
2: i really appreciate the concept of the the visual story uh the visual arc because it seems like that would help establish some of the stakes to that relationship as well because there are plenty of moments i think where at batman's best when you're when you're reading or watching a story of batman's you are most invested when Alfred is on the line. Alfred is implicated somehow, or uh, mm-hmm. Batman and Alfred's relationship is somehow implicated. Um, I think that their their dynamic is is crucial to telling Batman's story in a in way the that's... Most,
0: In the most recent Batman movie, whenever it's uh, Andy Serkis' Alfred who gets put on the line like that, that moment where he's racing home and he's like, ah, Alfred, Alfred, like I, I've. Like that's one of the most intense moments in that movie, you know, and it's a, uh, it, it really is that relationship that uh, a lot, a lot of great Batman stories depend on, you know, like I think that here in a couple of weeks, we'll talk Batman and Robin. And I think that without the Alfred storyline uh, that movie loses a lot of heart. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it just, uh, he's just such a beating heart of the bat family and, in, in all, and <laughs> all stories and all variations and all comics and everything. He's such a, a dependable figure, and I think that uh this movie really really uh beats that home for you it's It's a man
1: I said that from every Batman movie, no matter what, I was on the Alfred train for putting him as my favorite character because Alfred <laughs> is this steady constant in the Batman universe that is just a gem, but I can't put Alfred for this movie um not just because of Kevin Conroy, but this is literally like. A Batman origin and a Batman, a regular Batman movie in one, and I can't like I can't just pass up the character development that Batman and Bruce Wayne see in this movie, and not say that he's the best character in the movie. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so,
0: with you. Kevin Conroy as as Bruce Wayne Batman is not only my favorite character in this movie, but also my favorite performance. You know, if Kevin Conroy yeah. wasn't uh, bring in the heat he does as Batman, you know, I'd be tempted to go Andrea Beaumont for a favorite character. She's kind of a, I like the complex nature to which she the complex nature she brings to the table. You know, I think that uh, her motivations and stuff are clear as day. And like, it's really rewarding on rewatches to view Andrea Beaumont in that light. And uh, cause there's that scene where Bruce comes by her place as Batman. And they like have that little back and forth where she's like uh Oh, they're the only person here being controlled by their parents is you. And, uh, I was like, oh, oh shit. And then when he leaves, she breaks down crying because she's living the same life. You know, like she, mm-hmm. I mean, a little different. She's killing and shit, but like, uh, <laughs> they live in the same life. And, mm-hmm. uh, right. I absolutely love, I absolutely love that dichotomy that they strike in this movie.
3: So I, I picked, I picked. Andrea over Bruce in this in this movie for my favorite character because of that line because of that scene um being controlled by your parents is such a beautiful and then her breaking down and crying it could it's like we're saying it's it's too layered for a TV show for 10-year-olds because that line is the whole game she is acting out the vengeance of her parents and she's throwing it back in his face you know it's sort of like Sort of like when your college girlfriend cheats on you and she accuse you, accuses you of invading her privacy. You know, mm. it's like, yeah, well, right.
0: well, like, yeah, it's lighting the hell it's, out of my boy. <laughs> <laughs> right. it's
3: like, like, let's put all the cards on the table, right? Yeah and, yeah. and the reality of that scene is, it's like she's, she's like, she's like, you're out of, like, you're the one that's behaving poorly. It's like, no, you're, you're the one that's completely out of control here, not right. him. I think Batman is such a better character than the Phantasm but i think andrea walks all over bruce in this in this movie and it's just it's just so so wonderfully acted
1: it really it, is the, the... i guess as a first time viewing i did not see this twist like this is the first time that i've really seen i've seen this before as a smooth brain child but like as <laughs> with with a somewhat functioning memory like th- this is my first watch um i did not expect it to be her at all um whatsoever I, yeah and uh so i mean now that like looking back on it i think like her just to i don't know if i could still put it up to to like how i liked bruce's and batman's character development here because that's i guess what i was focusing more on this watch because i didn't know that it was her ultimately but now going back and watching it again knowing it's her is going to be really cool um uh, yeah. they do watch
3: they do a wonderful job of foreshadowing. Not only that conversation, but when her and Bruce are fighting, she does a throw that the Phantasm does on Batman mm-hmm. later.
1: Ah.
3: And, like, mm-hmm. the fighting styles are the same. The other thing that I really... I had forgotten about um, when I watched this movie earlier this week is that the is that the Joker figured it out so easily. Um, and I, I love that detail, too. Um, I did, too. I did, too. I just, I just love it when he says, like... Like little lady or whatever he says to her and she takes yeah. the mask off and He's like, ah, like,
0: you figured it out.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that that shit was f- another thing I really liked about this movie is that they treated Andrea Beaumont like she had an ounce of intelligence, Um like whenever ba- whenever mm-hmm. she sees Batman <laughs> standing by the the Wayne grave. You know, in a in a lesser movie where they're not trying to let the <laughs> of interest figure out that the 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 person is the hero. Oh my goodness! You know, like uh, she's immediately like Bruce. You know, yeah, like the she's stereotypical
1: like, oh. scene would have just gone like they would have looked at huh. the gravestone and been, huh? What yeah. a coincidence! They would have thought not nothing yet. of it, you know. But like, yeah, to actually. No
0: they treated Andrea Beaumont with some fucking respect. You know, they were like, she's, she's got some intelligence on her. She looked at that and was like, Oh, that conversation I had with him all these years ago in this very spot, he made a vow to his parents, a secret vow. Oh, a mystery man. You know, like she, she (laughs) can put things together. It's not like, (laughs) like, like it's, it's kind of how I wish they would treat Lois Lane a little bit. in those like early Superman movies where like, uh, and obviously she does figure it out. Clark's a little bit good at hiding it. Um, but like, just to, in the later movie specifically, it's like, ah oh, man, y'all treating Lois bad here. Like it's 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 not going well. But uh um, I I did really like the way they treated Andrea Beaumont's character in this movie. And uh,
3: uh, I'd say in general, that's a good thing about Batman is while he has a secret identity, when they explore relationships with Batman and lying to the woman about who he really is, is never really a a a huge plot point when. Not the shit on Superman when early Superman that is the one hundred percent of the premise of his relationship with everybody is i I have to lie to everybody mm-hmm. all the time about everything yeah. I don't even need these damn glasses sort of thing <laughs> yeah. you know um Batman definitely has a facade, but it's but when he pursue when they pursue a, a relationship with that character, the the other members of that relationship find out you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so it was. A, I always didn't, like, the kiss that just wipes Lois Lane's memory of everything. Like, it was always just such, like, a, just a weak, like, lazy, just story writing technique. Like, I was like, oh my god. Like, at first, um, I didn't even realize that that's what happened at the end of the first movie. And then Colton was, like, brought it to my attention. I'm like, wait a minute. No. Like a wait. goofy kiss? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. No way. And then they just do it repeatedly over and over again. I'm like, Wow, that's just bad. That's just like yeah, he's like, I need some counsel. Let yeah. me go talk to Lois. Let me bring her all through the whole whoop-de-do date again, and then let me just kiss her to make you all go away again. Oh, nope. what it's how it sucks to be Superman. You yeah. know, I'll never love anybody. So, yeah. but yeah, no, this this was goofy uh,
0: goofy, yeah. goofy movies over there, man. But yes. the, first one, the first one's really really good. Um, yeah. I will say, I think. Thus far, we've covered Batman 66, Batman 89 and Batman Returns. I do think this is my favorite of those movies so far. I think this is my favorite iteration of Batman so far. I think it's my favorite bat suit. I think it's my favorite Joker character design. I think it's my favorite Joker. Like it's uh so far this has an upper hand on pretty much every every other Batman movie in almost every regard uh up to this point uh, in my opinion. And uh hmm. it's it's an extremely rewarding watch and it coming in at an hour and 15 minutes is fucking huge. Yeah. I uh,
2: Love short movie, man. They, they, they really did something. And I mean, I, it, I bet it has to do with the fact that these writers are um, interested in a, a, you know, a television character, like the way that they're able to write that story is always going to be easier than trying to be like, a, you know, introduce the character and do all of this stuff Like there's still some, some basic, audience um but the animated series itself sticks out to me because like 20 minutes an episode like are you are you you serious like the depth of those things is insane that's
0: that's what's crazy is this movie feels so much longer than an hour and 15 minutes because when i watch batman the animated series the 20 minute episodes feel long as fuck so
1: the fact that that i was gonna ask that i was wondering if that was a good thing or a bad thing but i think it's a like, it's a, it's a very good thing, because usually whenever you have a really long movie, you're like, wow, that didn't even feel like three hours. That only felt like two hours, and a little bit I was so into it. But I think this, this time, it's like, it's only an hour and fifteen, but I'm like, I'm so invested in it that, man, it almost, it's sh- shit, it might have been two hours that I, you know, like, that I was sitting there. Like, I, I felt that it, it could have, like, it was that much content, but just in such a small amount of time. So it's like, I don't know. It was very short, but didn't lack anything because of it. Right. Um,
3: yeah, I paused it and I had to go help help my kids with something. I was watching it earlier today, and I paused it and realized they still had, I still had only twenty minutes left. And I sat down and I watched it, and I was like, I thought I only had twenty minutes left.
0: <laughs> right.
3: last to that last thirty minutes, there's a lot.
0: <laughs> there's a lot. There is so much. I I did a I did a pretty similar thing just a little bit ago on my second viewing. Uh, Before this podcast, I was like, uh, I I took a break to go like eat and I I paused it and I was like, holy shit, I still have 30 minutes left in this movie. And then I, I pressed play and I felt like I sat down for another fucking hour and see, like, that's the thing when a movie is an hour and 15 minutes and it feels a little longer than that. I don't think it's a bad thing when a movie is two hours and it feels longer than that. Now we're getting into now we're getting into a territory where I'm like, all right, y'all probably didn't do what you were supposed to do here. Um, it, there's kind of a there's kind of a balance there where like a really long movie can feel short, a really short movie can feel long. But if you're in the middle and you're feeling one or the other, you're probably not uh, <laughs> probably not doing exactly what you were supposed to do. And uh, this movie, uh, this this movie just succeeds for me, man. Uh, it it really does. If I uh, I was gonna branch this into a uh, Favorite shot. What What are some <clears throat> of your guys's favorite uh, visuals from this movie?
3: I know. I know. It's the sort of the style of Batman, the animated series in general, sort of this Art Deco twenties um, um, sensibility. So when they when he and the Joker were fighting in the scaled down cityscape, there's a mm-hmm. lot of King Kong. Um, Got shots yeah. that are just straight out of the original king kong and it's hard to not get excited when when something that's already playing with genre plays with genre mm. right? it's like like let's do let's turn this into a monster fight right yeah. so it might as oh, well man, have been like a accurate. godzilla movie at that point for that like <laughs> no, yeah, one of those uh, when the little
0: drones come through and they slice they <laughs> slice up at bruce and stuff i, I loved that shit uh but uh, I also loved that like that not only is that like oh uh, yeah, we're gonna play with it like it's a monster movie for a little bit, but also it's like the visual of Batman and Joker fighting each other and destroying a lot of Gotham in the process um mm-hmm. I thought that, I thought that was kind of interesting to show that like just how much damage these two can do if they keep coming after each other and uh
2: yeah I, I like that that shot particularly as well because it, it really embraces the noir-esque t- tone of the series in general and i think um it it it's sort of this um uh like like almost ancient battle of forces you know like happening uh, that's that's feels you- mythological uh uh-huh. mm. yeah yeah and it it's it's being cast through these characters but it's something that precedes and exceeds them
1: and I can't remember who the Joker's with, but it's with whoever he takes on the roller coaster at first, and brings him up to his living room, and like uh, um, Venestra, uh, I think is
0: I think is his name. He's a, um,
1: it, it's just he has a moment where he's like talking to him, and it's like okay, but then he's like okay, now I'm going to kill this kid. Like I, I'm I'm now it's over. But like the screen flashes red, and it just zooms into the Joker's face. Everything else is red and then he just goes on into his sick twisted you know like i want i just want to see you smile or whatever i you know and then like kills him and puts him back in the chair whatever um that was I, I think like it was just a really cool use of a shot that you can't really do in a live action movie but works so well in a movie mm-hmm. like this where it's like that's why animated movies um like are so like if done well can be so much cooler because there's so much that you can you can do that you can't do with a real camera. Um, like think of a movie like into the spider verse. A lot of the reason we love that movie is because it's so unique and so many cool things are happening on screen that give it so much character and, and its own sense of style. And this way you get that, that exact same thing, but it's just dark and, and edgy and way. Cool. I don't know. This if is, Oh,
0: something... go ahead.
1: Matt. Oh, I was just going to say, this is,
3: this is the central hypothesis of my podcast. When we we review star Wars cartoons <laughs> Is that when you have a fantastic universe, you can get away with so much more in animation than you can, even in like a, an FX-heavy movie or show like Star Wars has. The cartoons are head and shoulders, more fantastic, more interesting, and better shot than any movie or TV show.
0: A live TV show. 100% and the thing I've always pointed to specifically in Star Wars animation as a an achievement of something you can do in animation that you can't do in live action is Ahsoka specifically Ahsoka's fighting style the way that she goes about doing things it's going to be hard for Rosario Dawson and the VFX team to make shit like that look believable when it comes to the Ahsoka uh, comes to the Ahsoka series but the the Clone Wars and Rebels hey man she can do whatever the fuck she wants it's it's yeah it's
1: could animated. you imagine trying to replicate Ahsoka versus Maul in real life having yes. someone like like Ray Park I guess Ray Park could do Ray Park stuff but like having someone to have to do Ahsoka aside that as well would be like near impossible and especially on the t- on the rafters of Mandalore or like mm-hmm. you know like you can't you can't do that in real life you know you just can't do certain things like that Um and I don't know that's that's why I chose that for my favorite shot uh, for this is just because more of like it, it's not on its own a freeze frame that's like oh my god look at this but it's just kind of like the the usefulness of it in the scene
0: I dig it I dig it yeah and uh, another fun fun fact about uh Sal Valestra, the character he's played by Abe Vigoda who if you're a fan of the Godfather movies he was Sal Tessio in those movies Tessio uh, the he's the one who uh, approaches Michael at the end of the movie with the proposition that. Uh, uh Marlon Brando warned him about if somebody approaches you and asks you to meet with them hey that 's the one you need to look out for it 's this mm-hmm. guy it 's the guy who plays Savalra um wow so uh i i was I thought that was a cool little crossover, and we also had our first crossover within Project for a movie that was not a, a direct sequel or a different like you know Batman and Batman Returns obviously had a lot of crossover because it 's a direct sequel to Superman movies, of course, but uh Hart Bachner voiced. Arthur Reeves, the uh, the the <gasps> council member, and he was knockoff Tom Cruise as you dubbed him in Supergirl.
1: Yes. Um, oh my God! I'm looking at IMDb. That is insane. Wow. What the first crossover goes to knockoff Tom Cruise, dude, from the worst movie on the list too. Like the oh my wow. But that's okay. It's beautiful. I I'm okay with it.
0: He put on a pretty um, good performance too when he was sitting in that hospital bed after Joker had uh, Joker fight yeah. him and he, <laughs> you, you know what? Fair thing. enough.
1: That yeah, that it's definitely way better than his. I don't know what to categorize that that performance in Supergirl as. The his
0: confused, uh, confused himbo.
1: hunk. Uh, you yeah. know the confused hot guy in the movie um, yeah. that, for some reason, the villain needed to succeed in her villainous ways for whatever reason. But no, here, yeah, this is way better. I appreciate his performance here a lot more. This
3: This once again ages me, but um, Supergirl was one of the first movies I saw a bra in. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) Wow. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, that,
1: with that, I think that's, yeah, it's definitely the lowest rated movie on our list so far. It's Um, rough. I haven't seen it in like 30 years. Yeah. I I don't (laughs) think I will see it in a probably, probably in about that long. It will probably, that's how long it'll take me to get back around to it. Yeah. If um, if I do. If I do in the first place. But yeah, it it was rough.
0: It was, uh, it was an interesting viewing to be sure. But, uh, Ah, uh, to build on the favorite shots, I'm gonna go with uh just a uh, one that stylized was just so beautifully stylized. You know, I my gut wanted to go with the uh, the classic shot of the silhouetted Batman about to put on the mask for the first time. He's holding it in his hands. He's looking down at it. He's uh, silhouetted with mm. the light shining over his back. I love the way that looks. But I think I am gonna go with Batman approaching the uh, Wayne grave. Uh, after Phantasm committed, to, committed the murders, and he's going to uh, investigate. Uh, there's just like when the the bat ears go over the like the shadow of him goes over the Wayne name and stuff. Like, oof. I love the yeah. way that looks, man. It's a it's a it's a gorgeous shot, and the way this animation is stylized, it it works so perfectly. And I like the way it evolves a little bit. Like the the more on close ups you are, like another one of my favorite shots was uh, when he's looking through the binoculars at uh at uh andrea and arthur at their dinner date and it like zooms in on his eyes and then you can see in the uh in the lenses what looks more like the uh like the title cards from the batman animated series and sort of that style and uh i really 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 liked that that was another really cool shot but uh Hmm. yeah this movie visually is just it's fucking brilliant another one of my favorite shots from that sequence uh matt chose earlier uh was when joker had the building over his face and it was and he was just kind of like following him around and he was like looking at him through the through the windows and stuff like god man this this movie's just fun to look at and it's uh it's a it's a fun watch and because of that i know that's why i liked it when i was a little kid there's just so much more reason to like it now um now that i have uh, a little bit more critical thought uh ability mm. yeah 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 I think, about you, uh... Uh, you got a favorite shot
2: You hear me? Wait, who? You? You? Oh, <laughs> oh uh he, yeah. I think uh, I think I'm gonna go with the um the shot we were talking about earlier of um I'm blanking it. It's one. I'm blanking as it's coming back to me. Whoa, we just we were just talking about it.
0: Oh, oh, the oh the monster sequence. I forgot about that. Yes,
2: you yeah, agreed monster. with that.
0: I forgot about that. My bad, homie. My bad.
2: Uh-huh. Um,
0: no, nah, I feel you. I feel you. Um. But yeah, how many how, do we got? Any more favorites to hand hand out? What do we uh, What do we got to go over?
1: I Guess uh, the line. Um, I think we've given everything but our line, um, and my line. I had to give Alfred something, and that's where I gave him my line. Um, and it, it was just the I was about to go with the vengeance, the the one at like the end, like the whole wrap up one. But I, I knew someone was bound to either give that the scene or the line themselves. So I wanted to give like a funny Alfred line and uh it was just the one where he was basically calling him hard-headed and uh you know he he said like there are certain advantages to having a sturdy cranium master bruce but then hard-headedness was always your virtue you know as he's like Uh, patching him up or whatever i just wanted to give some quirky alfred line in there just to to give that side of him because he had a lot of just funny little little one-liners you know that alfred always has and he comes in for that one little second and then enters and leaves and i don't know I just love Alfred. Had to give him something for it, so.
0: And I also loved when Andrea was like approaching in the uh, while he was practicing the jujitsu out mm-hmm. out in the yard, and he's like, "Sir, you might want to uh, conclude the shop talk, as it were." Uh, <laughs> like, uh, it's just classic Alfred shit. But uh, Matt, you got a favorite line?
3: I was going to follow up again on what he was saying about the hard-headed um, line, um, Paul, Paul Dina later wrote a, a story called Dark Knight, a true Batman story about, um, an assault he suffered, hmm. um, a mugging where, where he was, um, robbed and hit over the head with a club and fractured his skull. Hmm. And, uh, he had to have reconstructive surgery and it was while he was writing this, um, it was while he was working on Batman and writing this particular script and the head injuries that Batman receives is because of the head injuries he received. And ah. that line comes, it, it's a perfect Alfred line, right? Cause it's, oh, it's funny point. enough, you know, <laughs> Yeah, um, but it's, it's actually, it comes from his real life experience. And so he wrote, hmm. he wrote a short story about his own, Autobiographical story about his own experience with this, and he actually almost quit because his injuries were so bad. He was thinking about quitting, and people talked him out of it. Goodness. he goes over all of this in the story, but but that wow. just wanted to bring bring that back to uh, sort of the reality that 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 the head injuries that Batman suffers is from all oh, okay. particular particular. Um,
0: story at the time all of the tidbits and trivia madam. i'm fucking with it. I love it.
1: doesn't that come from and mm. i'm trying to think of whenever he got the head injury in the movie was that like after the biker gang was trying to steal that money box from the one guy yeah, and then bruce was like a, i'll step in and and do it or part of a flashback it's it's a little i think, I think uh, it actually, oh it was later at when he gets dressed up and, and is like spread it, or get on the floor or whatever is it like from his first the, yeah, the third injury, imagery, Andrea, is, injury right
3: is, from the, is from when he gets blown up in the construction site.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Right after he has to do the whole escape montage where he ripped off the cowl and cape. And another, another really cool imagery that we just don't That's see right. a lot of is Bruce Wayne out and about hiding from the cops without his mask on, but his full Batman mm. uniform on. Like, I thought that was a. Uh, just just cool shit to see anytime a a superhero movie pits the cops against the hero i think it always adds a degree of uh, intensity and uh i mean i'm gonna enjoy it a little bit more because it Mm. just furthers that like uh they're working outside the law and you know even when they are being a hero they can be persecuted as a villain and stuff like i think that's uh i think that's some really cool shit and uh, i think this movie plays with that really effectively especially coming off of uh uh, the influences for this movie, that Batman year two story, it's uh it's an interesting one where I, I'm not a huge fan of the way Batman's written in it. Uh, he's a little bit more quick to go for a gun in that one, which is not how I like Batman to go about things and a little bit more open to the idea of potentially committing murder. Um, which, again, not the way I like Batman to go about things. And I like that uh, there's a part of this movie whenever everyone's doubting Batman in uh, in someone's office. I think it's Jim Gordon's. And Jim Gordon's like, hey, man, I know Batman's not doing this. Batman doesn't kill people. Y'all do whatever the fuck you want. I will have no part of it. I absolutely Mm. loved that because, again, Jim Gordon hasn't really been a present character in any of the movies we've covered besides Batman 66. And even then he was like hardly there. This was the most Jim Gordon we see Jim Gordon be, you know, as as opposed to Batman and Batman Returns. I feel like this is just a uh, like this movie just has such a great understanding of who all the characters around Batman are too. And yeah. uh,
3: is Gordon it, in Batman sixty six an Irish stereotype?
0: Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so, <laughs> yes. Yes, I believe. I, so. I can't
3: remember that movie very well.
0: No, and uh, it's it's one that's probably not the most worth remembering. It's a uh, it's a fun it's a fun one, but it's like ah, uh, you know, yeah, you is, it it
3: the, it. is that the throw down the shark repellent
0: movie? Yes, yeah. yes, throw <laughs> down the shark repellent. Uh, it's uh, you know, they they get everybody in the uh, this council of nations speaking different <laughs> languages and it's Adam honest- West. Adam West decides that is the greatest service they've ever done for humanity was getting everybody to speak from each other's language. And it was like, okay,
1: getting world leaders to do their job was the greatest thing that Batman has ever done for the world. Getting <laughs> them to speak to each other in one room for a couple seconds was enough to get done. That's great. all I needed. We still don't understand.
2: I have a disturbingly clear memory of Batman 66 and I wonder if it's because it's more like a fever dream than an actual movie.
1: The movie is pretty much a fever dream, honestly. Like- it, it, it that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> no, yeah, and I uh, the, uh
0: what's funny is that these those two are the Batman I grew up on, Kevin Conroy and Adam West. I grew up on a lot of Adam West uh, the 60 the show and and the 66 movie. I remember having the little DVD of it. And uh, watching it quite frequently, I loved the fucking bomb sequence where he's running around. With the <laughs> bomb of
2: the dead. movie was shot very beautifully, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic.
0: It's a classic. Uh, but not. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, Matt. We never got to what I thought might be your what we thought might be your favorite line. Did you uh, Did you have one picked out for that?
1: Was it the head one? Because you said you were playing off of it. I didn't know if you wanted to select it or if you. No, my, my favorite line was the only one of us is being controlled by our parents
3: line. Oh, that's and that, right. And that's, Great. that's how, I, that also made me pick, um, Andrea as my favorite character. Okay. I just, there's, that line is, it's perfect, it's perfect writing, in my opinion, right? It's perfect amount of foreshadowing. It's perfect amount of just spite in the way that only someone that loves you can hurt you, mm. right? And, it's delivered perfectly. So
0: couldn't have said it better myself. It's, it's 100% true. I think my, I think my favorite line in this movie is uh, a pretty, a pretty classic one from, uh, from Bruce Wayne there uh, standing over or kneeling over his uh, parents' grave there when he says, please, I need it to be different now. I know I made a promise, but I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. I I really, really love that line as a culmination of what Bruce has been about up to that point and what we know he becomes after it becomes a a sad line in that moment because, you know, it 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 does. It's not different. It doesn't change. You know, Uh, it becomes it ultimately becomes the same. But then Andrea pulling up right behind him after that being like, you know, maybe it is okay. Maybe they sent me. You know, I thought that was a, it's a little, it's a little corny, but I love shit like that. You know, I I love shit like that. I think it's, I think it's adorable. And uh, it's just a really heartfelt imagery that I don't think, uh, you know, I, I want more Bruce Wayne being really, really vulnerable. You know, I think that, uh, I think that always, uh, that always goes over well for me. And I think this was, uh, again, one of the best examples of Kevin Conroy voice acting his ass off. I think the visuals were, were outstanding. And I think the writing was just immaculate here it was it's something that went really well for me and uh it, it was between i could kind of flip this scene with the line alfred says and the other scene i chose for my favorite scene and it would be like either or would work perfectly you know this whole scene is really fantastic too because i only delivered the back half of the line but when he first gets there and he's like please please like i'm so sorry I i i need it to be different like it's just so it's so well done and, uh, I, uh, I really, really enjoy it. But, uh, uh, Tavares, how about you? You got a favorite line for us? I mean, I think
2: I like the, um, Alfred's line. Alfred, Alfred takes best character for me. Well, I, I think best performance to Kevin Conroy, but, um, in terms of the line, I think Alfred, um, as, as always is spot on when he is talking about, um, Bruce, Bruce's vengeance, turning him black, essentially, and, not, and, and him being able to walk the line um, while not falling in. I thought that that speaks more to just that scene and that moment, but it speaks to the character itself, mm. uh, which is a little bit of how I think Alfred is often posited in, in a Batman narrative, which is uh, sort of as the narrative voice itself, as this um, uh uh, uh, element of the sh- of the show or of the story that's um, uh, tying the viewer into the universe as much as it's tying the universe together itself you know by uh, conception by by uh, or crystallizing that comment not only is he giving Bruce this tidbit that is um, uh, superbly true but he, he's speaking to the viewer I think and, and trying to get you to give you clues as to where, where you need to be looking at uh, the batman character i thought that was just a really really
0: well put quintessential line Mm. yeah i i i love that line for all the same reasons you know it was uh just ever it's just everything you want that dynamic to be as well you know between alfred and batman and uh it, it really it really is perfect but uh Man Joe, does that leave us with any 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 last favorites to give out or are we kind of uh are we kind of covered?
1: I guess for Matt, did you want your performance to go to uh Dana De- Delaney for Adriana Beaumont as well or just for the character? Um, no, I'll do Batman for the performance. Like okay.
3: okay. like when when we got the news that Conrad died, I I texted, <laughs> I texted Corey, Cory like uh, or sent a message for Twitter and just said like like, oh, can we talk about this? Um, yeah. And like I said, he's he's my Batman, too. Like, I, I grew up with like Keaton as Batman and Clooney as Batman and that stuff, you know? Like, I saw all of those movies in the theater when they came out. Um, but this was um, appointment TV for me as a kid. It's like, we always knew when it was on. We always watched it. And I'm, this is... And I was talking with with the other host of my podcast, uh, Yubcast. His name's Jamie, um, and I was like, "This this show is up there for me with gargoyles. for like '90s cartoons. It's 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 incredibly good, and like he he deserves um, all the praise he's getting right now. And it's a shame that he died so young. Um, yeah, sixty six is young." I am in yes, it is. I'm in the medical field. Sixty six is young. So exactly. absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that shit was. That was heartbreaking. I uh, it, it, because I, d- I hadn't been keeping up with any of the any of the news around him. It was it was so it was so sudden, you know, like I didn't uh, I didn't know he was going through a short battle. I didn't know he was having a battle with cancer or anything. I, uh, I just looked at my me and Joseph were actually recording a little thing for the Patreon. Uh, and I, I looked down at my phone for a second and one of my notifications was Batman animated series actor, Kevin Conroy has passed away at age 66. And I, like, I immediately, like I was talking to Joe and I went, Oh fuck. Like, I, I just, I had a tough time just holding it together in that moment. I went that night, I watched mask of phantasm. I watched a bunch of Batman, the animated series. I was like, I, I can't think of any, anything else to do. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to watch anything else tonight. You know, it wouldn't, uh. Wouldn't have felt right, and uh, he deserved—he yeah. deserved all the flowers he's getting. He's absolutely fantastic, uh, role model for for so many people, and a fantastic talent that meant so much to so many.
3: Yeah, there, uh, celebrity deaths don't usually impact me very much. Um, Carrie Fisher dying hurt hit me really yeah. hard because. You know I'm a kid from the 80s, right? And right. just love Star Wars obviously. And then yeah, Conroy, the other one and it, I just thought it was like such a weird coincidence. It was me. crazy yeah. timing. It's
0: crazy like timing. it's like
3: I'm I'm for the first time in years going back to this material literally this week. And I looked down at my phone and it says Batman actor died and I opened up the story and I was like, "Oh, shit." Yeah, it's it's, it's not, somehow it's our
1: <laughs> yeah. we have a lot of weird coincidences that line up with our podcast for some reason. And um, sometimes it's it's bad and it lines up with some deaths. Other times we start a movie revolution and it turns <laughs> out that that movie starts gaining hype out of nowhere. And like we, we, we catch It's so strange. Uh, the no, patterns yeah, that so we have our, here. But, our um,
0: Goodfellas episode came out like six days before Ray Liotta died and was like yeah it was like yo what the fuck
1: no like no, we no. recorded avatar whenever they announced avatar 2 and then it's slotted to release like the week after the movie actually releases or something like it's something crazy like that like i don't know there's a lot of just really strange and, it'll, and
0: these coincidences will happen when we record as much as we do we tend to we, we tend sure. to get on the we tend to get on the recordings quite a bit but uh yeah, this one this one hurt man. I uh I didn't uh I didn't think that I'd be eulogizing Kevin Conroy at all when we when we were coming here to talk about Mask of Phantasm. That was uh that was something I was just not not looking forward to and didn't think I would have to do and man I uh I it, it really sucks. It really sucks that I, that that's something that we're doing today but uh he deserves he deserves all the flowers he's getting. Kevin Conroy absolutely a fantastic talent. And I have no doubt he was my favorite performance. Is that kind of a clean sweep across the
1: board for it, favorite performance? It was indeed a clean sweep. Uh, me and you gave him the character um, and then uh, would just be Alfred. And uh, luckily Alfred got a, a character nod somewhere in there from, from Tavaro. So that's good. Uh, then he'll we got, get, a, he'll uh, get a
0: favorite character nod every, every Batman yeah, move.
1: So that that's good. At least, at least we got the constant covered. Um, so my theory still holds true. So it's, a, it's okay. <laughs> um, yeah i think we got everything covered now all that's left to do is slap a rating on it now well right. i do
3: i do just for honorable mention i do think i do think that the fact that this is sort of billed as mask of phantasm and you think that's the villain and it is but it turns into a joker episode or a joker movie and mm-hmm. mark hamill's performance as the joker um not to constantly talk about Star Wars stuff, but Mark Hamill's performance as the Joker is um, perfect. Uh, he is the best Joker. Sorry. No
0: eighth. doubt. Um, he is. is probably
3: the second best Joker. <laughs> but no,
0: I can't. Uh, um, yeah, because uh, we, we cross over into Star Wars all the time per, for pretty much anything. If it's applicable, we'll we'll cross over into Star Wars anytime. And if Mark Hamill's involved, man... How do you how do you not how do you not mention Star Wars? You know, but uh, yeah, his Joker is fucking fantastic. Like every time I'm list every time I'm listening to uh, his performance of the Joker, be it in the animated series or in the Arkham games, he's uh, he knows how to voice that character. He's Whenever, twisted. Uh,
1: he actually like gets twisted himself like he contorts his body and like him in the booth it's crazy just like actually seeing him do it that's the thing is that like a lot of people would be like well Heath Ledger has to do on camera and the voice at the same time but like Mark Hamill's doing it all the same like you could film that and p- put it on a green screen and damn you have just as good of a performance um so um yeah, I I don't know, it's it's hard for me to pick a favorite. When I hear Heath Ledger or when I hear the Joker, I hear Mark Hamill, but when I see the Joker, I see Heath Ledger. So it's yeah. it's really hard for me to pick a favorite between the two, but but no, this it's crazy that it's such just like a part of the movie that we kind of just threw off to the side and that's like, yeah, that, that's a part of this movie that is kind of cool. <laughs> we have the Joker in here and he's the one of the greatest Jokers of all time and we get that for a little bit. Um
0: no yeah man he and like uh i do love the way that it does kind of shift focus there at the end whenever batman does tell tell andrea like please go i got business to attend to and then he's like batsy (laughs) you know like uh that that shit's fantastic I, i love that shit and uh there's that part where he's talking to arthur and he's like gulp gasp uh, like that, that whole thing. This, he's just, he's just got that, that personality, that cadence down so perfectly. It's, yeah. it, it really is a fantastic performance.
3: Last piece of Star Wars trivia: When the Stepford Wide Wife Robot. Assassin thing dies. The the sound effect is the Millennium Falcon failing to initiate hyperdrive.
0: Okay, I'm so glad you said that because, like, when he comes out and what? like shoots all the when he shoots all the 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 robots that are like dancing and singing that song, you hear the yep. yeah. Yep, they're, they're using that song.
3: They're using that sound for the animatronics in the in the park. That's awesome.
0: Fuck yes! I'm so that's glad you pointed awesome. that out. I completely forgot about it. uh that's so good. Um always going to bring it back to Star Wars here on the Penny Bloom pod. We always are. It's, it's oh. just, it's where the heart lies. It's where the heart <clears throat> lies. Uh, but I do believe that will bring us to the rating section of the podcast. And uh, Matt, I know I sent you the document that kind of breaks down how we do the rating, but something I didn't include in that is that we typically allow our guests to do their own rating outside of what, uh, what me and Joe and Tavares end up coming to, because we've become sort of of one mind on a lot of things. And, uh, you know, some like uh, our, a good example was last week with our guest or a couple weeks ago with our guest Blaine from DCU on repeat. He was a lot nicer to the movie than we were. And uh, it's just because he only had to rate that one movie, whereas we were comparing it to a few of our other movies, a few of our other viewing experiences. And, you know, it just gets a little it gets a little complicated whenever you're crossing wires with someone who hasn't done every single one of these movies. So uh, we're going to start with Enjoyment after that we'll go to genre and Matt, if you're, if you're familiar enough with the comic books, as I, I, I've followed your Twitter for a while now. I know you're really into star Wars comics, but I don't know about much beyond that. Um, and then, uh, the critical rating, we take the average of those it becomes our overall rating. And we'll ask you to do, uh, I'll keep track of your score alongside the rest of, uh, the rest of our ratings. So, uh, uh, as far as enjoyment is concerned, that's where we'll start. Uh, Matt, how are you rating this out of ten
3: well based based on the descriptions for the enjoyment i'm I'm right at an eight. Um, I love it. I really do. There's things that um, if we're allowed to criticize it, uh, there's things about it that I think are um, interesting for the time period it was made that sort of like I said in the beginning, like sort of took me out of it for a second. One, the guy that worked, there's a guy that worked on this as a producer, um, or a producer-director, his name is Eric Rand- Randomsky, um, and he's really known for Scooby-Doo, and movie? there's times in this movie where it looks like shots from a Scooby-Doo cartoon.
1: That's honestly true. Like, mm-hmm. whenever it's in the graveyard and the smoke puffs, like, oh, it's totally true. Wow, I didn't even think... It's just it's everywhere. It's right. it's the Scooby Doo is the greatest just
0: movie of all time. Scooby Doo. <laughs>
1: it can't be beaten. It can't.
0: It can't. It's uh, it's, it's
1: it's it's the true part. inspiration of all. It's,
0: it's, from from Scooby Doo, all things are born, mm-hmm.
3: um, including this,
0: including this. Uh, no, nothing is excluded. Every Earth. single thing. The
3: other um, the other the other piece of criticism I'll give this movie. Um, I know it's fantastic realism, that's sort of Batman's
0: willing
3: suspension of disbelief, Um, but once you find out that she's the mask, um, she transports around the scenes through pups of smoke, and it's not really explained... (laughs) If she, it almost feels like she has a magical power.
0: Yeah, she does that thing where she like pushes her hand out and it like, exactly. comes out of her hand, but it's like, yeah. where the fuck is that They're coming
1: from? underground, it's all exploding, and Joker was like, wow, this is the only chance we had out of here, and now we're done, and then she just puffs away, and then they both live somehow, and Batman's the one who has to stay in there, exploding, and then falls down into the sewer. That was the only part of the movie where I was like, okay, come on, what the heck was that? That was a little lazy there. Like... It
3: gets it gets very... When you introduce something like that to a plot, it gets it, it gives you an opportunity to deus ex machina the shit out of your character. And that's <laughs> yes. exactly what they did. They pulled a ripcord and, and got to the closing credits, right? And this is a movie I like. I'll be super clear about that. And we do this on our show all the time. We rip apart these cartoons, um, the Star Wars cartoons, but well, we love them, right? Right. But this is, like, the difference between, like, a, a good movie and a great movie is these differences, right? There's, when there, when she starts transporting around in clouds of smoke, I'm like, all right, like, like you're you running out of budget or something. <laughs> like, like, what's the real problem? You had to stick to a 75-minute runtime? Um, yeah, right, right. Something, something like that. But um, I really liked it, so I'll, I'll give it an 8.
0: Um, no yeah and I, I i almost do agree that this movie almost is better if she does die there i don't like i don't think it's necessarily like the uh, i i don't i don't know it almost feels like it was kind of just like it don't worry we didn't like, we didn't kill her but like whenever like, yeah, she's and, on that boat at the end oh and dude, she's and like then
1: bruce would have been way more tormented because of it too he would you know hmm. like through an actual death, instead of her, instead of him realizing at the end, like, oh, she's alive, you know, she, she, I'll never see her again, probably, but she's out there, you know, he still has that thought, but, like, if she dies, then he's, like, maybe I'm not meant to be happy, maybe my parents, maybe all of this is right, you know, maybe I was, maybe I shouldn't have done any of this from the start, and all all that, like, um, yeah, I don't know, I, I guess just giving her an easy out, I don't know if that was to continue, like, her character later on, if they wanted to, and, you know, whatever, if they just wanted to leave it wide open for that, but I don't know. I, I agree. I think if, if she does die there, it strengthens the story actually. Mm. Um,
3: or if we've, or at least they left it, if they left it as if she had died rather than, yeah. It, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I think, I think both could have, both could have been beneficial for sure, but uh, all right. So you mm. gave it an eight for an enjoyment. Well, what, what are we feeling guys? What uh, Joe Tavares? How how you
1: sitting? Well, that That is what we gave Batman returns for enjoyment, and that's the highest rate of Batman that we have so far for enjoyment um I, I was
2: i was I was somewhere between an eight five and a nine
1: i think yeah i think i it, I enjoyed a little more than the Batman returns um a nine would be pretty high though that's pretty that's like nine is insane for enjoyment um mine, and like yeah, mine was... and, my gut was eight five like yeah straight i think I think, um, I think that's where i'm about to uh nine seems way too high location. but eight yeah i, I think the bump I
0: really, and like you know i am a little blinded by nostalgia with this movie but i think i tried to remove myself a lot from that when i was when i was watching it with this podcast in mind and i still found myself thoroughly enjoying it on a level that i uh i hadn't in a i i, I just didn't appreciate the Michael Keaton Batman movies on the level that this did mostly because, I mean, this is the version of the character I fell in love with, you know, like, uh, when I, when I was little, Batman was the animated Batman. I didn't, I like Michael Keaton was actually the least familiar Batman to me yeah. when I was a young guy, you know, like I, I even watched the George Clooney, George Clooney, Batman was more familiar to me. Uh, that was a little closer to my time, but still, um, uh, this this is this is but, the
2: Batman for me. By the time I saw George Clooney Batman, I was like, George Clooney's not Batman. <laughs> You're not that's, that's,
0: George, <laughs> that's George Clooney. Don't you fucking lie to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> He's supposed to be robbing casinos. What are you doing? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> All right.
3: So once, again, once that... again, showing my age, but George Clooney is an ER doctor to me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Goodness.
2: <laughs> yes. I forgot about that.
0: Oh man, oh man! But all right, we came down at an eight five for an enjoyment, and uh, that'll take us to the genre rating. And this one, since they're all superhero genre, we kind of try to break it up a little bit more. And I think that uh, I, I I don't really know where to take this one beyond Does
1: animated that. work into the genre. Like, do we are we judging it on how well of an animated movie it was, or I just think I think the it drama?
0: Especially consider like considering the. Uh, The animation itself has to be considered as a part of the genre. I think, like if yeah, I guess it's like the camera work.
1: The it's the same thing. The camera work, the lighting, the it's all the same, but just in different different brush strokes. Um, Yeah. So okay, I mean, I think like for a Batman, I mean, it has you know inspirations from Scooby Doo, so obviously it can't be too far from a ten um but um
0: <laughs> Tends but, across the board for anything scooby-doo related but no, no i
1: mean like actually the the villain story was amazing uh that that's a thing that a lot of these movies have been struggling with is landing on the villain side of it the the hero is is known and you're like yeah you're in for the hero that's what you buy the ticket for but the villain side of the story is kind of where they have to hit home and that's what they have to write and come up with and a lot of them it's kind of been weak but here we got like Two villains, three villain stories, almost even kind of. If you want to break like like the characters apart, um. Mm. So I mean, I think it it did really really well for the genre, and it was animated beautifully. Um, I mean, I I think I'm I'm around an eight five again, if not a nine. Yeah, I'm, maybe I'm, even I'm leaning, higher.
0: I'm a nine. Um, how about how about you, Matt? How you feeling about this genre wise?
3: Yeah, I'm not sure how you want me to how you want me to interpret this. <laughs> something like something like Batman the animated series defines a genre right it becomes yeah. it becomes the archetype that everybody chases just from the the camera work and the art style and like it's it's beyond noir it's better noir than noir right yeah. so it's mm. in style the art deco the art deco style. I have issues with things that happened in the movie, but not from an art perspective or from oh, absolutely. Um, from a genre perspective. So it's it's tough because this is the thing people are trying to rip off for the past 20 years, right? People want their shit to look like this. You don't get, like, a what's the movie, The 300? Or oh. Sin City if you don't have something like this. Right? This is the start of all of that, all of that genre kind of stuff. So okay. and there might not be a super clear line between all of those movies and this animation, but look at people's resumes, like people that worked on these, on in these Warner brothers cartoon things ended up going off to do those, um, interesting film projects later and, um, playing with an overlaying animation and, um, overlaying cgi with with humans modulating humans with cgi and things that all of those people came from this group so as far as like genre concerned, the genre is concerned they nail the art deco they nail the batman they nail the animation style and everyone's been ripping them off so
0: hey you're like, selling me on a 10 right now That's yeah
3: i is. think i think, yeah, for, I I think i'm sold actually
1: because I, I, I was trying to find something that I actually have a gripe with about the genre, and I don't think I can actually come up with no, anything.
0: As no, soon as, as soon as Matt brought up that it is, <laughs> like, Batman in the animated series is genre-defining, it immediately, like, I, I remember that that's what yeah, we used it just, to base it, it everything Literally, off of. yeah.
1: <laughs> that is uh, what a 10 is, yeah. Um, I yeah, guess yeah. I, I think I was just thinking of the critical. Like, I was combining kind of critic. Like it was more of a critical genre um, outlook that I was kind of having at first, but not, yeah, just... I mean, there's 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 close to nothing
3: like it before it came out. The closest thing would be like Dick Tracy, and Dick Tracy sucks. Um, (laughs) That that movie's fucking terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's the it's the closest thing that came to it. It like this this art style redefines Batman. How hard you have to go at something to redefine a a cultural icon 50 years into the lifespan of that icon and mm-hmm. have everybody agree this is the this is the reset for this right yes, That's why this I is the quintessential
0: 10. this is the quintessential version of the character no yeah you're you're absolutely right that is that is redefining <laughs> that is genre that is genre defining it's it's a 10 out of 10 right there and i think that kind of plays into our Least, next rating, yeah. the adaptation um matt how familiar were you with batman comics prior to this movie
3: I I read very few Batman comics as a kid. I read the year two comics, um, reading coming into here and I knew Batman Year One from other things and I made to tie back to Star Wars. When we were I was on a Star Wars comic book podcast several years ago and I said that the Vader series was Vader Year One. because um, mm. it was and and um soul said that he had modeled it after Batman Year One, um, and so I'm I'm vaguely familiar with it. I, I don't think I'm authoritative on Batman canon and things like that. I know that that the chari- that the that they considered putting the Reaper in in this and decided against it, um, and tried to bring it back later and decided against it, and so I, I sort of. L- in in sort of in this context, I think continuity and interpretation are up for debate um, right. much more so than it doesn't have to be a faithful adaptation in my opinion. Um, I think the story that they came up with is really nice and good, and since I have such such strong affection for the writer, I'm glad that he wasn't yoked to the Reaper story.
0: I um, I am so glad that they didn't model this after year two incredibly deeply. You know, obviously the exactly. phantasm is inspired by the Reaper, but, and Andrea Beaumont's inspired by Rachel Caspian and stuff, but they're certainly not the same characters. They take, they take their own direction with it. And that's kind of why when we come to our adaptation rating, we like to base it off the spirit of the comics, the spirit of the character they were presenting to us. And uh, as far as Batman is concerned. I don't uh, like I said this is a defining version of Batman and when I read Batman com- comics prior to it especially in the years directly prior to it from the late 80s early 90s you can tell you can tell they were uh and and shit even early early Batman and detective comic stuff arguably more there's a there's a obvious influence over this movie and I think uh adaptation wise we might be looking at another one of one of the best one of the perfects.
1: Yeah, because I mean, you. It, when we talk about adaptation, a lot of times we say even if it's not completely faithful, it better be good. If you're taking something that's not, you know, you're you're making it up on your own and you're you're creating something, like it better be good and it better work out better than the comic story worked out, or else then what? You know, what's the point? Hmm. Or what do you? You don't got the you don't have the better story on your hands. Right. Um, I did so,
3: I didn't really like that they put that floating Martian that cracked wise in his ear that only he could see. I didn't really get it. <laughs> that's, a re- yes. that's a reference to Flintstones.
0: Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh.
0: All right, but adaptation-wise, how are you, how are you feeling, Joe? How are you feeling?
1: I mean, this is like it's kind of in a weird way. This is what others are based off of now. So, like, if if we're saying that this changed the character of Batman so much that, like, every Batman before it was just, like, not even close to as credible as this one, then, like, how can you... I guess as far as Batman goes, it's, like, perfect. So I guess you have to look at the other aspects of the adaptation of, like, Gotham and... And you notice how they brought to life everything else. and. It's it's damn good, man.
0: Gotham's 100%, Jim Gordon's 100%, Alfred's 100%. Like I'm going I'm going 10 out of 10 adaptation score on it for me as well. Um I I'm think there. it's I think it's uh it it brings to life the spirit of the character in a way that I think it was always meant to. You know, uh Batman and Batman Returns my premier problem with it is that it doesn't gripe it doesn't grapple with the moral of Batman at all and this absolutely does. At, hmm. at multiple points you know and uh it actually makes a point to be like yo batman doesn't kill people whereas in batman and batman returns he was going around often motherfuckers left and right um <laughs> just yeah, let me strap a bomb to your chest and yeah, throw hold you in this sword.
1: bomb and then it's like oh it might be a cute little grenade or something that he could escape from and the whole factory explodes afterwards after he leaves and it's like yeah that dude is definitely not existing anymore no, um, yeah, that's, that's man, okay. Batman has died. Um, it uh, happened off screen, so Batman didn't do it. You know, he yeah, exactly. he caused him to die in that way. Sure, but it wasn't directly Batman that did it. You know, you, it was the bomb that killed him. There are no <laughs> witnesses.
2: <laughs> of the crime, therefore, by law, cannot exactly. Be yes,
0: yes. <laughs> yes there, you, there, you have it, folks. But uh, that does that does make it another another really good rating there, and then uh, and then our last one is critical. This is all things considered: writing, direction, uh, voice acting art style all things considered here and we're going to start with matt how you feeling about this one
3: yeah i mean this is a nine for me i i i I have my little quibbles with it the other the other scene that i didn't that was sort of a laugh out loud moment for me which would prevent from being perfect is the um is When he's in the construction site and he sends the cape on the sawhorse up toward the the <laughs> helicopter and all of the cops just open fire with automatic weapons straight up into the air. And like, like you're in a city, guys.
0: Like what are yeah, you, come on what are now. You what are we
3: Well,
0: and also the fact that like the people in the helicopter had their sights on him like the whole time. And he's just like, let me take off the mask and cow here. Send it up this line I've got going towards you. Maybe you see it, maybe you don't. And they don't see it. They just keep. They just keep shooting. Uh, right. So there's yeah.
3: definitely elements of like willing suspension of disbelief there, and it's like I said, it's fantastic realism or or whatever whatever level you want to give it, give it. But there's just a couple of moments where it's like. It's like you could have done that so much more effectively and not just been a shooting gallery scene. Mm. And that, that that kind of stuff, it, it prevents it from being perfect, but it doesn't prevent it from being great.
0: Yeah. I get you. I get you. Yeah, 100 percent. And that would round your score out to a even nine out of a t- nine out of ten. You're giving this a, a good a good ninety percent on the old tomato meter there, Matt. And uh we're not gonna be too far off from that if I had to guess so myself. It's uh it's a damn it's a damn good flick. It's uh personally one of the for me, one of the more well done movies on our on our journey so far. Obviously, our top one right now is Superman at an eight out of ten. Um but I'm I'm right there. You know, like I'm I'm right there, if not higher.
2: Um I'm a- as well I think uh, all things considered the um, critical perspective of, the, of this movie um, is still overshadowed by the legacy of what what happened um, in the movie which is you know it's a strong representation I think from the from the movie itself mm-hmm. what, what do you say as a critic like what what do you what do you say as a critic that's not just a, a thing that you wouldn't like about most iterations of Batman
0: I, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you uh what, like mostly the stuff I was saying about adaptation. If you're not treating the character with the respect he deserves, and I think this 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 does that exact it does it better than anything that came before it. I'll tell you that for sure. Um, the art style I think the only thing art wise that gives this a run for its money is Batman Returns, really, and uh, even that I don't think was uh as visually stimulating as this was as far as the uh the uh artistic uh, style is concerned i think that uh the performances are fucking phenomenal across the board i think uh, i mean you get joker versus batman in a movie you get uh, a whole other villain that is more prominent throughout the entire flick and it's uh it's 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 working
1: for it joe how you feeling I don't know if I'm at like an 8.5. I think 8.5 is the floor for me. It's better than Superman to me. This is better made. The story is so much. It's insane that like we're even comparing it to Superman, a movie that the runtime of that is what? two hours and how, I don't know, very long. Yeah. Twice the length, but the same impact of a story all, you know, in that short amount. Um, and, and I don't know, I think it's the perform, like, that's the thing is Superman. You can kind of look at it as a cheesy movie at the end of the day. It's very campy. It's very, you know, and we love it for that. This is like taken seriously and good. And it's shorter. I don't know. Like it's kind of nuts that this. Like I did not expect. Yeah, I did not expect this to be the front-running movie of the show. Like coming into this, I had no idea um, that I would like this as much as I did. But I think I'm at like an eight, seven, five, or a nine for a critic. Yeah,
0: I think uh, I think I'm right there with you. I think all since your gut took you floor eight five, Tavares's took him straight up nine. I'll go ahead and split the difference between you and throw that 7 5 at it, and we'll just, uh, we'll come to a nice, nice groovy con- conclusion there. And it would round our score out to a 9.3, a 93%, whereas doesn't Superman doesn't quite beat Superman.
1: Wow. Okay. okay. Yeah. Superman and ba- Mask of Phantasm both got a 10 out of 10 in adaptation and genre. Um, But Superman got a 9.5 enjoyment.
0: It's just one of my favorite movies to watch ever. (laughs) It was. I don't know.
1: It It made it, and that's the thing is that, like, in Superman, it made you feel good. You know, you had those good heartwarming moments where you're like, ah, I feel good. It's Superman. It's It's a happy moment. Where this, it's like, I mean, I'm not necessarily feeling happy, but I'm not mad because of it. I'm not, like, mad that I'm being emotional. Like, obviously, that, you know, it's a way different movie. Um, but I think, I don't know, it's still a 9-3, um, which is phenomenal. Um, what, is, so, what did
3: Superman get in your guys' rating?
1: It came a 9-3-8, so, or
3: 9-4 so like yeah, on average. Like a
0: 0. .1 below, or a .1 above Mask of Phantasm. It barely, barely beat it. Um,
3: Does it change anybody's rating if you realize that the scene where Batman is on the truck is a shot-for-shot quote of Indiana Jones? um and the raiders of the lost ark
0: it actually does i'm gonna go 10 out of 10 <laughs> i fucking love raiders of the lost ark and now that you you point that out to me i'm like holy shit you're 100 percent right that's fucking crazy i never it's even intentional. I, wow
3: they've, Didn't they, even they've
0: discussed
1: me. it so as doing it intentionally
0: hey you know what fuck it bump that up to a 9 out of 10 critically I don't
1: honestly know. i might i looking at it the thing is is that I like this movie more than Superman one. I like I I'll say it like straight up. I if I'm going to pick a movie that I would rather watch, I'd rather watch Basket Phantasm than Superman.
2: I haven't seen right Superman now. 8 years, but I would definitely pick Mask of I Man.
1: think the critic, I think critically it's fine at an 875. I think enjoyment it deserves it's like an 875 or a 9 there Funny. is where the bump deserves to be.
0: Hey, I'm down for whatever, honey. You just lead the way.
1: (laughs) Well, let me see. Let's see. If if we give enjoyment a 9, it bumps it to a 944, which is just that little bit above Superman. Yeah. It would still round out
0: to a 94%. Technically
1: tied, which maybe I actually like better. Because they're different for or they're better for different reasons. One, I'm very happy and I'll watch it whenever I want to have a feel good movie. But then if it's like a Halloween night and I wanna be, you know, freaking all Batman and Noir esque, then yeah, I'm I'm putting on Mask of Phantasm. So it's rainy
0: outside. I'm feeling moody. Let me oh. throw on Mask of Phantasm real quick. Now I'm I'm one hundred percent with you, and uh that ultimately does bring it to a ninety four percent as well. Uh slight slightly above the Superman one score, and I do feel I do feel better about that now. I I do feel better about that. But uh any any parting thoughts here for Mask of the Phantasm?
1: Just I think probably, I got it I think for me. Yeah.
2: Glad I rewatched it though. I have no memory of it. Although I thought I did.
3: Yeah, I guess my my general advice to everybody is don't sleep on animation. Never. Some, some of the best stuff out there's animated. Um and Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see my posters in the background that's the clone wars tardavosky poster that's star wars visions over there mm-hmm. which i have mixed feelings about and then that's um that's phantom menace but
1: it's the clone wars mm-hmm.
0: poster
3: yeah that
1: um, as far as star name, wars sure. animation goes clone wars season seven is like my benchmark for a lot of a lot of animated shows to see if it stacks up well to something I know is good, and I knew, I know I enjoyed that off immediately off first watch. Um, yeah, but, when Star Wars, when the
3: Mortis arc came out, and I was like, like, oh, you can do anything you want in animation, Star Wars animation, and get away with it because they made they made a Wizard of Oz. Story where they like fall asleep and then wake up and like, did they go or did they not go into
0: they don't remember, the okay.
3: or you know, and and see all those like force deities. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter if they saw it or not because it's something that they all experience anyway. I, I won't rant about Star Wars forever, but
0: <laughs> nah,
3: um, right. just don't sleep animation, everybody, and seek out that stuff too because it's art. Absolutely, Some of the best the best films in the world are animated.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Matt. And uh with that, we will conclude this episode of the Penny Bloom Podcast. If you would, head to patreon.com/slash Bloom pod where you'll find over fifty hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of comic book pull lists weekly, Star Wars book reviews, all sorts of them. Bunch, a bunch of content over there. Uh, it, it'll cost you three bucks a month, and uh, it, all that money is super helpful in making sure I can put this podcast on. It costs me money, and I don't make any off of it. So uh, it would uh, be be huge if you could go help out over there. If you would, if it still exists, we're obviously recording way in advance, and it's not looking good. To Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod. Follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast. We're currently doing a Game of Thrones rewatch. Winter is blooming. Hard to say exactly where we'll be at come to the time of this uh, this podcast release, but uh, we are doing it every Monday. It's there for you. Uh, come back next week where we'll be joined by a longtime friend, friend, best friend of mine for nearly 15 years, Michael Muhlberger will be joining us for Batman Forever. Very excited for that. Um, cannot wait for Cannot wait for that conversation. Another Batman flick. We're on a run right now. Batman oh, yeah. Batman 89 Batman returns Batman Master of the phantasm Batman forever Batman and Robin and that'll, that's a stretch of 5 weeks where it's nothing but Batman and that's uh <laughs> frankly frankly I'm loving it I'm loving it uh All right time for some sign offs uh Matt you want to give us one last plug for uh for where we can get get at you or where we can uh, find your podcast
3: sure we we release our podcast on all the regular podcast apps you, you can search Yubcast on any of those things or we're at yubcast.com um where we post everything and um sometimes i write there about things that would bother me in the star wars world as well um i'm on twitter if that still exists in march um at yubcast and i'm have a Facebook page that I don't update and an Instagram account that I don't use, but I probably have to start now. Um, since
0: yeah, I don't have another <laughs> plan, man. Twitter was kind of it for me. I'm like, I, I guess, I guess I got to do Facebook now.
1: Ooh, I ooh. guess,
0: um, something will replace who will, you
1: know, something will happen, it'll all honestly, equal out somewhere.
3: Honestly, I, I, got, I got very upset because I was like, I'm finally getting good at one of these social media platforms, <laughs> and then this jackass has to blow it up in front of me. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. No, man. I, uh, I, I, I've been like, I'm finally interacting with people. We've had this Twitter for like three years and we've, we've had 50 followers on it for like two of them. But in this last year we've gained like 200 and like, I've been more interactive with people. I've been, so I've been having so much fun there creating little communities and stuff. And then it's like, ah, well, this might not exist tomorrow. Um, <laughs> this this but, is my you know...
3: exact Twitter story. This is my exact twitter story we We got our Twitter account almost five years ago. We had sixty followers until about eighteen months ago, and now we're over four hundred mm. right and it's growing and people are interacting. People are tagging me. They're starting to use the hashtag Star Wars Animation. Right. And like Wikipedia retweeted me the other day and like Star Wars replied, the Star Wars official account replied to one of our posts about Clone yep. Wars. And I'm like, We're, this is happening. Right. And now it's yeah. like, "Nope, it's not going to be here in a couple months because this guy's going to yeah. go bankrupt.
1: Nice to know that a billionaire can just decide to have fun one day and accidentally destroy an entire social media company. So, uh, you know, things can just happen. You know, I I guess he's trying to save the world in other aspects. But man. Just leave it alone, you
2: know. Just, just Elon, keep doing Musk that stuff. Must tweets out. I bet I won't buy Twitter for forty four billion. <laughs> <laughs> just, insane. just insane.
0: Uh, but thank, thank you so much, Matt. Again for being here. It was such a pleasure to have you. Hope, hope to have you back for maybe a maybe a live action movie, maybe some more animation in the future. You know, not as many theatrical releases on the animated side of things. But who knows? Maybe we start branching into a little bit more of that. Uh, dcau eventually and maybe we can have you back but uh thank you so much for yeah. joining us
3: no it was a lot of fun and if you ever want to talk star wars i'm that's really my wick, so um
0: oh and we we talk some star wars so uh we we'll we'll see about it for sure we'll see about it uh this
3: dome in my background is my one-to-one replica build of r2
1: Oh, I have plans to do that too. I just don't have the materials and time yet. Oh, I need to be—I need to have a steady career and actual job first to to really go into that. <laughs> I can't wait to do that one day, though. Oh my god! Yeah, mm-hmm. it was a pandemic project for me that is still
3: ongoing. Mm-hmm. It takes years to build them, but I think the kids and I can finish them this winter. Wonderful. Anyway, sorry to interrupt.
0: Thank no, you absolutely for me. love it. it was a lot absolutely of fun. love it. No, 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 thank you so much. So so happy to have you. Um. Thank you, Joseph George, for being here. Shout out to you, buddy. Oh, yeah. Thank you for
1: having me. It's always a
0: pleasure. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. And thank you, the magnificent Tavares Pennington. Of course. Another great one in the books. Another great one in the books. I was Colton Robertson. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And rest in peace, Kevin Conroy.